Welcome to Grad Life by the Horns, the bi-weekly podcast hosted by recent grads Becky Hills and Sophie Scully. We're here to make your 20s that little bit less scary. Touching on everything from career anxiety, struggling to pay your rent, and the imposter syndrome that we all feel but no one talks about, this podcast will prove that ultimately we're all in the same boat. So we decided that for this episode, we would take a leaf out of Bridget Jones's book and introduce, yep, introduce each other with thoughtful detail. Oh gosh. So without further ado, let's begin this loving. Sophie Scully is a learning and development coordinator for a communications and leadership management consultancy. But not so long ago, she was the person interrupting your nights out with a camera and microphone, trying to gain an insight into the drunk student psyche. Having worked as both a university manager and project coordinator for the Times and High Flyers Research, Sophie has the gift of being able to relate and interact with people in a way that I've seen very few people be able to emulate. When Sophie walks into a room, inevitably 20 minutes late, it's impossible not to feel immediately comfortable around her. Not only is she one of the kindest and funniest women I've ever met, but she's also hugely successful in her career. With an internship at the New York Times under her belt and countless university committee roles to her name, Sophie is tenacious and determined to the core. Having gone from being my boss to one of my best friends, I couldn't have chosen a more perfect person to co-host this podcast with. Oh my gosh, it's so sweet. <laughs> I don't know how I'm quite going to follow that because mine... Okay, well anyway, let's, let's just go. <laughs> just be open-minded about it. Okay? Yes, I'll try and receive this. Okay. Becky Hills is a recent graduate from Sheffield University who loves politics, journalism and definitely hummus and toast. From Bumble Regional Manager to University Manager for the Times Top 100, Becky truly dived fully into university life, even being deputy editor for the tab. Since then, Becky's relentless determinism through multiple breakdowns and job applications landed her a very, very good role as social media executive at Night Frank, where her Instagram skills fully soared. Although she, by the age of 21, was the subject of a BBC documentary, has written articles for The Independent, volunteered at Talk Radio and featured in The Healthy Magazine, she still goes on to doubt her capabilities. Although I am sceptical as she doesn't like tea or coffee, I don't know, I see big things for her and I wish she believed in herself more. This is a time for her to be completely transparent to the world and share her stories and I know it will flood positivity into anyone who engages with it. A girl whose heart is in Essex and head is in Chelsea. She's a really brilliant person to talk to about some really embarrassing nights out stories and some serious shit too. You're fab and thanks for asking me to be a part of this fantastic project. Oh, thank you, Sophie. That's so lovely. <laughs> I love that Hemis got in there. Oh, it has to. It has to make an appearance somewhere. Absolutely. At the beginning. Oh, yes. <laughs> From the start, establish that I am addicted to Hemis. Yeah. That's probably going to feature quite a lot, actually. Yeah, I think I need to go to, like, Hummus Anonymous or something. So, now we have suitably boosted each other's egos, let's get on with how we always start the podcast. I really like starting episodes with these questions because it really gets people thinking. We've had some a different variety of answers, Yeah, we? we've had everything from socks to... Yeah. Some very, like, therapy as yeah, well. Yeah, we've had some like, deep stuff there things. too. But without further ado... Becky, what is the most adult thing you've done this week? So I've had a little bit of time to think about this. Um, <laughs> and I think the most adult thing I've done is starting this podcast. So today is actually the 17th of September, which is launch day. Oh and um, it it's crazy. So we decided that it would be good to record our episode today so that we have a little time where we're not on our phones. So I can enforce digital detox. But yeah, starting a podcast is quite an adult thing to do, I think. 
um i can't actually believe that we've done it it's a bit mental like when i saw it on apple this morning i was like oh my god i'm on apple this is so 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 surreal but yeah it feels very adult and i'm I'm quite proud of myself smashing i like that answer (laughs) what has gone wrong this week for you would you say it's kind of wrong um well i went on a night out on saturday oh yeah (laughs) and i basically did a tour of london on this night out so i went from balham to brixton to chinatown to fulham and i cannot for the life of me understand why i went to all these different places more importantly i can't understand how i ended up in fulham at half past four in the morning and then also i got a taxi from somewhere in Chinatown 20 minutes later like none of my timings match up I think I just had one too many G&Ts and I think the explanation is your Uber got hacked something something happened because it could have been you I'm usually a bit of a mess on nights out but I'm not normally London tour guide on nights out literally what you were so yeah I think my what's gone wrong this week is spending an extortionate amount of money on Ubers and having very little memory of why I spent so much money on said Ubers oh it's a it's a a story to tell in the future I guess isn't yes, it and that's the one of the version. one of the many <laughs> so Becky what have you learned from these two things so what have I learned I'd say from my adult thing I've learned that actually I'm capable of so many more things than I realized I'm the first person to beat myself up and tell myself that I'm doing something wrong and that I'm not good enough and actually to have gone out and launched a podcast that took seven months to make like that's a pretty great thing to do without sounding like an arrogant wanker Um, but yeah no I'm really proud of it and um, I think that it's taught me to just be a little bit nicer to myself and from what's gone wrong I can also kind of say that as well because I always used to if I had a bit of a night out that went a bit wrong or I did something stupid I would spend the next three days in a existential crisis of self-loathing and actually what I did on Sunday was woke up fully clothed in my bed makeup still on shoes still on and I was like oh god what have I done this time and instead of beating myself up I just went and chatted to my housemates and everyone found it funny and no one thought it was a twat and I think it's just one of those things where I can reflect and be like look shit happens and Mm. you just gotta be like it was a funny story and it made for a good Instagram caption yeah I think at university when things like that happen to you you overthink it a lot Mm. and now you're just you know you're you're living your own life you're living in London you're like you know what I don't give a fuck yeah no exactly I just need to be a bit generally the moral of this is I need to be nicer to myself I agree with that so Sophie what is the most adult thing you've done this week the podcast is definitely obviously something that's up there like it has taken it's been a massive brain strain for us isn't it it's been crazy the technicalities the organization the pressure it's been a lot of pressure because we really want to do well with this Mm, I never realized how much went into it Oh my gosh, I know, it's crazy, isn't it? But you know what I would say is the most adult thing I've done this week, maybe? I've got a diary in my phone, but I'm really bad at looking at it because it's not, it doesn't link with like our diary for the podcast and my personal diary and my work diary. So I went out and I got a environmentally friendly vegan diary. Vegan diary, I love it. I know, and I'm I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I'm, I'm not vegan, but I'm trying to like make those little steps. And I was like, if I actually have a diary, I'm just gonna make sure I refer to it and I keep adding to it. And I got like different colored pens as well. So I think that's quite adult because I managed to balance, especially this week, we needed a bit of like a 
um, work-life balance, didn't we? So I'll say that's quite... Yeah, I think that's very adult. It's a it's a it's, mini step. But yeah, it's, it's getting your shit together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> and next question: What has gone wrong this week? What's gone wrong this week? That's this. This is really. I find this really hard because that. I'm not saying oh nothing ever goes wrong in my life because, but I think pretty much everything kind of goes wrong in its own special way. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I kind of look back on things. I'm like, there's something about that that I think is wrong so I'm going to try and be better next time but um like you mentioned in my introduction I'm always late (laughs) (laughs) and I think timekeeping got the better of me this weekend because as you know I went out Saturday night as well and I was in Essex all day spending time with my friends but I said to myself I need to do some actual work Sunday evening to kind of make up for today um because we wanted to dedicate today to the podcast and I was just so tired and I didn't balance my time well and I didn't do any work. So that got, that really put a lot of strain on me yesterday, as you know, when you came mm. to pick me up. But yeah, I think that's what, I didn't manage my time very well this week. Yeah, and that's, moving on to our next question, there's definitely something that you can learn from that. Yeah, actually both of them kind of tie in together, don't they? I think learning from that is that it's very, it's very good to organise your life with a diary but you have to kind of be realistic and realise that you can't do everything in a day. Learning from that, I think I just need to be a bit more forgiving with my goal setting. Because I, I try and get too much done in a day. Yeah, I think so many of us are guilty of that. Mm. It's so easy to be like, I'm going to get everything done today. I think it's so easy to be ourselves up for those things. But actually, like, we're all learning. And you know when you have like an hour of being productive. So, yeah. th- so this week I actually signed up to an MIT online course well, damn, cool. That's quite adulty that's, that's as well. Very adulty. Okay, right. Um, but I, I basically, I spent an hour trying to figure out how that all works. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so productive. Like, what's going on with my life? So I set myself so many things to do the next day, and then it just didn't happen because I was, I wasn't very motivated that day. And yeah. it happens. It's peaks and troughs. Becky and I have decided to add some structure to the episode as opposed to just rambling on for hours like oh we God, normally yeah, do. Yeah, we wouldn't stop. No, we wouldn't. Um, we have decided to take control of the situation and write down three questions that we're going to ask the other person and the other person doesn't know what they are. Ooh, this is nice. The anticipation. Can't handle it. Okay. Um, they're going to be really boring questions, but anyway. <laughs> Um, so my first question to you, Bex, is what is the main thing your university taught you? Gosh, the main thing that uni taught me. Okay. Aside from your degree. If Aside it you. from my wonderful <laughs> politics degree. <laughs> um, I would say that the main thing that Sheffield has taught me is to be unapologetically myself. When I went to uni, I, I am just going to go deep. Let's just, let's just get it all out Perfect. there. That's why we're here. So I started uni in 2016 and three months earlier I'd been diagnosed with anorexia and I'd also been diagnosed with depression, anxiety and as a side of that social anxiety. So I'd spent the past two years of university, uh, two years of sick form essentially not talking to anyone and socially isolating myself as a result of prior to that five years of quite intense bullying. Um, I'd changed sick forms um, changed schools for sick form and had a bit of a dodgy experience at the start and decided that instead of going through another two years of intense bullying, I would just spend all my time on my own 
focus on my A-levels and just wait it out until I got to uni and hopefully things would get better. And the bullying that I received the most of was weight-related bullying. So I was never, not that there's anything wrong with being fat, but I was never fat. But I was definitely on the chubbier side and I'd become a victim because I was quiet and studious and all that sort of stuff. And when I got to sixth form, I decided that I was going to lose lots of weight before I got to uni um, as a way of kind of making sure that nothing like that happened again. Mm -hmm. And within six months, I'd lost three stone. um, And this was in 2016. So between the January and the June. I'd lost three stone and I'd become severely depressed and anorexic and I just really wasn't very well. And a side effect of that was that I lost all my social skills. So through isolating myself for two years and then it getting so much worse in the last six months, I didn't have any friends and I was going to uni in a really, really negative place. So I had three months of counselling and therapy and NHS treatment before I went to uni and nearly wasn't allowed to go um, because I was so unwell. And so getting to uni was the most important thing in my life, but also the most intimidating and frightening thing that has ever happened. I went and spent most of my first year just shit scared all the time, like drinking so much to cover my social anxiety and then just making it so much worse because alcohol is a depressant. And it just, it was just a really toxic experience, but actually university taught me and the biggest lesson I got out of university was that of being unapologetically myself and that actually I don't need to pretend to be someone else I don't need to be really skinny I don't need to be a certain kind of person I don't need to dress in a certain way I don't need to be the kind of person that I thought I had to be in order to succeed and in order to be happy because actually through my third year of uni when I let go of the need to be anorexically skinny all the time and to have tons and tons of friends as a kind of coping mechanism and compensation for not having any friends when I just was like fuck it I'm gonna be myself I'm gonna just let it all go and obviously that's not I'm making it sound like I just woke up one morning and I was like I'll be fine now um but actually it was like a long process and just deciding and making the conscious decision every day that I wasn't going to be fake and I wasn't going to conform to what I thought I should be taught me so much and I became so much happier and the friendships I did have were far more secure and fulfilling and I've Mm. got so many people in my life now who know everything about my backstory and and love me for it and respect me for it rather than seeing it as a weakness or something that they could bully me about and so yeah I'd say it was a bit of a roundabout way of talking about it but the biggest thing that Sheffield taught me was just to begin to love myself and not apologize for having had a bit of a rocky start and to be okay with the fact that I am not a perfect person and that I had a bit of a shitty time but now I'm doing so much better yeah no thank you for sharing sharing that because obviously we've spoken a lot about we wouldn't be able to do this podcast if we hadn't spoken about our past experiences but you've really opened up then you've been really transparent and I think what you need to this is just a bit of feedback that I just want you to just want to take you to take it away with you um we went to an event didn't we we did and they you pretty much had the mindset that you wanted to kind of detach the girl that was there before that was going through all these struggles um from your current self and we had this 
amazing, amazing lady turn around to Becky and basically say, you don't need to detach her from you. She is a part of you, but you just need to find a way to kind of make them become one and see your your journey because it has been such a fucking journey. Seriously, if you think back to what you were experiencing a mere two, three years ago, even less than that, actually, and where you are now and what you're doing with your life, it's pretty incredible. So I think you need to commend yourself more. Thank you, yeah. And it's a tricky one because at the moment I'm getting a lot of those like Facebook memories flashing up and being mm. like, oh, this time three years ago, it was fresh. Bittersweet. <laughs> yeah, and like my little sister's, she she went to uni, uh, she moved in on Saturday. Oh, of course she did, yeah. And she's been sending me a lot of like drunk Snapchats being like, I've lost this or I've gone off with this person or mm. oh, it's all going to shit. And I just relate so much to that feeling of being like, I have no clue what's going on. And I'm so scared and I'm so anxious and I'm so worried about everything. And to look back on it now and see that actually through going through three years of ups and downs and growth experiences, as wanky as that sounds, mm-hmm. um, I have become a person that I never, ever, ever, ever thought I could be. Mm-hmm. Like even being able to do this podcast and go to events and walk into a room without wanting to run out and cry. Like mm-hmm. it's it's without sounding really like up myself i'm really proud of myself it's not being up yourself at all it's a a mere (laughs) observation and yeah i just think that actually we should congratulate ourselves more on getting through tough times because everyone goes through it and especially talking about uni but not just about uni like talking about your 20s and your late teens in general like everyone struggles with stuff and the more that we open up about it and the more that we talk about the crap times that we all go through, the the more democratising it is and the more that people feel that they can open up about things and that they're less alone and that it's, it's a universal experience to go through tough times and it's important that we open up about it. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for asking me that. I, it's I, it's okay. a good opportunity to vent. <laughs> I think it's a good starting point because university does teach you a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And... Going on from that, um, I want to ask you that um, what's the thing that you've struggled most with since you've left university? It might not appear on the surface um, because I'm a very um, excitable extrovert (laughs) um, who loves being around people and I gain my energy from other people and busy environments and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think loneliness, I think... The issue of loneliness is it comes in so many different forms. Um, it doesn't necessarily just mean that you're by yourself all the time in your room, not doing anything. It can be a mental thing. It could be a feeling of being lost. Um, and so many, it has so many different avenues, doesn't it? Um, and I was so lonely after university. And I think the reason why was well, there are a lot of reason, reasons why. The main reason was because I was, I came out of uni- university without a job. Um, I came out of university and moved back home. And I came out of university and was recently single. So there were three parts to my life that I was trying to adapt to. So, and I was doing it all by myself. And so the first thing, the relationship um, I won't go too much into it, um, but 
Um, my boyfriend and I are back together. Um, however, at the time we broke up around my dissertation. So it was around May, May time. Um, and over summer, I obviously enjoyed spending time with my friends and doing my dissertation for myself and doing all that kind of stuff. But I was trying to adapt to being single. And then I came back home after university and I went into my first internship at the New York Times and I, um, I, w- I started talking to Matt again and no one knew. I was so, there was something about me not wanting to tell people that I was going back to an ex. So I kept it to myself for months. I didn't even tell my best friend. I didn't tell my mum. I didn't tell anyone. So that made me incredibly lonely. Um, I also knew I was going into an internship. So I knew that that wasn't a long-term thing, which made me just feel a little bit meh. Um, and the third thing was I was going back home. Um, and my home at the time was um, a pub because my mum owns a pub. And although I'm an extrovert, um I think I didn't feel grounded there because A, I was so used to being at university and B, I didn't know if I wanted to move into my own flat, if I wanted to move in with a friend, if I wanted to stay at home. And obviously living in a pub is a very busy, intense lifestyle and I have a big family. So it was quite um, weird being back there. And now, speaking now, so I work for my stepmom. So I live at my dad's house and it is the complete opposite to the pub it's lovely house in Surrey and it's beautiful and it's quiet but it's almost too quiet for me I'm so used to experiencing loud noise so transitioning from one lifestyle to the other is really difficult for me because there's no I I really struggle with um, immense change and really rapid change yeah I think all of that kind of comes under the um, um, the loose term of loneliness which is what I personally think graduates should talk more about because everyone experiences loneliness one way or the other whether that is actually in their lifestyle or internally mm, I couldn't agree more and I think it's amazing that you're opening up about it and talking about it because I was at one of um, our previous guest Bronte's uh, Girls Who Graduate dinners last night and Mm. um, everyone was talking about loneliness and how they've struggled since leaving uni to make friends or keep in contact with friends from school or make kind of keep in touch with people from university Mm. and it just seems like such a prolific thing and it's so stigmatized because if you say you're lonely people think oh she hasn't got any friends. And not having friends singles you out as someone who's weird. And it's like, why haven't they got any friends? Mm. And I think that I personally, like, I can relate in that I felt really lonely when I came came to London after finishing uni because none of my friends were here and I was living back at home. And I mentioned this in the last episode. Mm. And for you to open up about that and say that because of the breakdown of your relationship and then the subsequent you two getting back together and you're moving from different places and all that sort of stuff like it's so um, I can imagine that lots of people would be able to relate to that and can say oh, okay like it's all right that I'm feeling lonely and mm-hmm. like there is a difference between being lonely and being alone because 
you can feel lonely but that doesn't mean you're alone other people are around and they want to help you and it's the more you open up about that the less you'll feel it I think yeah I couldn't agree more and I think not not to go too deep into it but I know that a lot of um mental health stems from being lonely but a lot of people question why they suffer from those men that mental um illness because they're like oh you're surrounded by people all the time like why do you feel you can't talk to anyone why are you lonely why what blah 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 but you can be surrounded by people all the time be in a job you enjoy have a house with like people you like or by yourself if you you're happy with that and you can still feel lonely it's just one it's just a a clog in your brain that doesn't make you feel quite settled and I think that's where I I feel lonely is when I don't feel settled Mm. um and loneliness kind of stems from you're just not connecting to people around you mm. it's where you're like isolating yourself internally despite looking like you're fine externally and um quickly i know we don't want to talk too much um but quickly about the relationship thing that really got to me because i always used to preach that you should never go back to an ex that was probably one of my biggest things that i used to say to my friends when they'll go back to dickheads all the time um and it's quite confusing how matt and i got back together and i probably won't disclose too much about it but like I was in a new job where I was the youngest by about six or seven years. So it took a long time for me to establish rapport with people anyway. And I was start, I, I started dating Matt again. And no, and the fact that no one knew made me feel guilty for doing it. And, but I kept putting off telling people and it even got to a point. So my, like my best friend Meg didn't know for, three months and my all of my best friends from school didn't know my mum didn't know and I had to write a note on my phone when I was seeing when I was seeing Meg and I was going to read it to her because I didn't know what to say and it was lit it was literally about two pages long Mm. so there was just an internal battle with myself just being like oh my god like you are so alone no you can't talk to anyone you can't like I didn't know where I was going with anything so yeah I think that's what I struggled with and I still struggle with it now but I'm kind of starting to see things in a different perspective Mm, it's good that you can talk about it because it means that you're getting you're coming out of it I think that it's hard to talk about things when you're in the midst of it and actually the further you get out of it the more retrospective you can be and the more you can see how you've grown so the question I want to ask you is what about modern society are you most concerned about? Ooh, what about modern society am I most concerned about? I mean, as a politics graduate... Oh, that's I sh- why I asked yeah, you. Yeah, I should talk about Brexit. Um, <laughs> don't worry, I'm not going to go off on about Brexit. Thank you. <laughs> um, what concerns you... This is ironic because, as I mentioned earlier, I am a social media exec. So this is my job. And if you know me personally, you know that I love an Instagram story. But the thing I'm most concerned about modern society is social media. And especially in relation to life as a graduate, I think that social media just exacerbates all the anxieties that we're feeling and makes us 
so it makes us compare ourselves endlessly to the lives of other people and just to kind of give a little bit of an insight of as to why I am so I'm so kind of stuck on my thoughts on social media social media has played a really instrumental part in my life I would willingly say that I am addicted to social media because not only is it my job so I have to be on my phone and engaged in the digital world from 9 9:30 in the morning to 5:30 at night every day but I also am that person that the first thing I do when I wake up is go and I check my phone and I scroll through Instagram and I compare myself to other people and I I try really hard to be that person that turns their phone off at eight o'clock at night but I can't do it I've probably done it successfully like five times and I think that social media is a great force for good it offers people a way of connecting. I've met friends through social media. It's great. But it's also so negative. Like, it was an instrumental cause of my eating disorder. It meant that when I left university and I was posting all this stuff on social media, being like, I'm living my best life, I'm having a great time. But then I was there comparing myself to other people of the same age who have started businesses and who are multimillionaires and who are influencers and who have got these incredible grad schemes or have gone travelling. And I was actually so, so jealous of all my friends who had gone travelling, despite the fact that I was in London doing what I wanted to do. Because I was like, oh, but their, their Instagram feeds look better than mine. And it's ridiculous because, like, growing up online, as people of our age have done, social media has become a pivotal and irreplaceable thing in all of our lives. But I think that the more we consume social media the more detached we become from reality the more we consume social media the more detached we become from reality and the more detached we become from reality the more likely we are to compare our lives to that of other people mm-hmm. and then believe that the way we're living our lives isn't right and actually how each of us chooses to live our lives is completely personal to us and through comparing ourselves constantly to the lives of others online we are all following the same route and we think that I've got to do this this and this and I've got to look this way so the point I'm trying to make but I've gone around the houses completely talking about this but like oh I love it but (laughs) social media is an amazing force for good and it is also an incredibly destructive thing and so it's one of those things I'm really really conflicted on about modern society and it's something that I'd love to see a change and I mean I'd love to do some kind of activism or policy stuff on it because I just think it's fascinating and now I'm in the industry I can really see the effect it's having but I just think as a graduate social media can be amazing because it connects you to other people look at Bronte's Girls Who Graduate Group that wouldn't exist without social media people have made friends because of that Mm. but also a lot of the people who are struggling after graduation who are in that group are struggling because they see what everyone else is doing online and they're not doing the same just a quick question off the back of that yeah because you're so involved in social media in both your personal and your work life what what advice would you give to people and you can make sure you take this advice for yourself as well because I know how stressed you're getting by how overwhelming it is in your life at the minute what advice would you give to people who feel the same way as you do and are completely wrapped up in that vicious cycle of social media yeah it's it's a difficult one I think I really do need to take my own advice on this. So I was talking to a PR at a um, medical research company this morning um, for called Cigna. 
and uh, they're a global healthcare provider. And they were saying, they've done some research and they were talking about the 18 to 35 age group because mm-hmm. that is our demographic with this podcast. And they were saying that only 8% of 18 to 35 year olds know how to handle long-term stress. Only 10% would speak to a medical professional about their stress. 35% admit to stress eating and 47% would feel guilty if they were to take a day off work for stress-related reasons. And I think that wow. there is a huge, huge link between the stress, um, the stress mismanagement that is hugely prevalent among the 18 to 35 age group and social media. Mm. I think we are bombarded constantly with messages of perfection, of messages of people staying up until four o'clock in the morning working on a project and then getting up at 6am and doing a yoga class and doing this and doing that. Everyone looks like they are so high-functioning. But we, re- we need to remember that social media is a s- tiny, tiny element of someone's day. So my advice off the back of that question would be that in order to sort out this stress mismanagement thing that's going on and make us feel less guilty about feeling stressed and comparing ourselves constantly, is to realise and put in perspective that Every Instagram story, every social media post you see is a perfected and edited version of their life. I was listening to a podcast this morning with Deliciously Ella, so Ella Mills and Matthew Mills, and they were saying that the other day, um, they just had a baby. And I know, really cute. Um, They had a baby and they've also got a spring spaniel and the baby woke up in the middle of the night needed feeding. Their dog, Austin, had shit all over the carpet. So Ella was on clearing up the poo duty and Matt was on feeding the baby duty. They're not going to post that on social media. What they're going to post is the next day when they've gone for a lovely walk in the park and they've got the baby and the dog. So it's realising that in the same way that you wouldn't post on Instagram if your dog had shat all over the carpet. (laughs) Like... If, you know, if you're not going to post Instagram, it's always start a revolution yeah. where everyone just posts pictures. Everyone just posts dog shit on Instagram. Yeah, that'd be great. In the same way that you're not going to post on Instagram if your dog shat all over the floor, you shouldn't re- expect that that is that everyone's life is perfect. Yeah, I think my main my main takeaway would be take social media with a pinch of salt and realize that the perfected life that everyone puts on there is not necessarily their reality. So moving on from that, kind of linking it into the last question I asked you. So we spoke about what you struggled with most, but what has been your highlight of the past year? So two things. First thing is, I like I said in the first question, I've dipped in and out of different things a lot over the last year. Um, and my most recent job working in consulting and coaching and training is my highlight was there was this moment where I really understood my values and that has completely reshaped how I think and how I react to everything. And I'm still working on it, but I'll say that is such a pivotal thing in, in especially what I think in my life, and I think everyone should try and practice this, this as well, is because if you understand what your values are, you channel everything you do for those values and you start to understand other people better and you start to be more tolerant. So there was a moment, so for example, this week I've been on this incredible training course with um, a client in London um, and we're talking about values and one of my values is definitely inclusivity and diversity because I really clash with people that don't appreciate that. 
There was one moment where I sat down and I wrote down my values and I wrote down what I appreciate in life, what I enjoy in life. And I just had, and then that moment when I just had them written down, I was like, oh my God, why have I not done this all year? So I recommend everyone does that because that was definitely a highlight. And there could be anything from trust, fun, inclusivity, anything like that. Doesn't matter how honest it is, just write it down. And you should do that as well, Bex, because it's it's really, yeah, really good. I need, to, I need to get on that, definitely. Yeah. Um, and the other one is, I'm not just saying this because you're in front of me, but definitely, 100%, the day you message me being like, Sophie, do you want to do a podcast? 100%. <laughs> that was incredible because... You know when people suggest something really rogue to you and you're like, oh, lol, yeah, <laughs> let's just say yes for now because something as drastic as that is not going to happen. I just, I don't know what it was. I just knew it was going to happen. It was just like, it, it, I think it's just because I knew we had worked together, obviously at High Flies. Mm. I mean, I, I knew how driven you were and I knew how many interests we had in common. So I was just like, oh, this is actually going to work. And this is exactly what it was that I wanted to do. And it's given me such purpose. Like I, um, listeners might be begging to differ right now and being like, oh my God, what is she going on about? Um, But I feel like I have such a purpose now because I can just, we can just talk to so many different people and reach as many people as possible. And it's, it's lovely. So I thank you for that. Oh no, that's so lovely. And I'm so glad that, me suggesting that shower idea to you has led to this and I'm really glad that it's been a highlight for you well I think it's really it's a really important thing in life to find people you can be a both silly around and complete yourselves around and also have a really good business relationship with and that's rare to find and we we're lucky that we found that so early in our 20s but yeah yeah that's amazing yeah so that to summarize they are my two highlights so writing down my values and realizing what i appreciate most because it's helped me kind of navigate the next couple of years um and the day you message me about the podcast oh i love it (laughs) okay so um oh gosh is this this is your last question the last one i know making a good one um oh okay so we talk a lot about our lives over a couple of drinks um but i am really interested to hear more about love life and dating (laughs) because i am completely um naive in terms of dating so i've never actually dated before i've only really been in relationships or single um so becky how have you found the transition of dating at university to dating as a graduate and um, in amongst your work life and your okay. city life? Oh, here we go. Right. So, on, <laughs> I, I can't mean, wait to hear this. Answer. I know. Well, this is something that I mean, I write a lot about lots of personal things. I mean, I'm, if you know me personally, you know that I don't hold back. I have no filter. I'll just chat about anything. <laughs> Anyone who listen, I'll open up. Um, but. Dating and boys is not something I really talk about publicly because obviously it's a sensitive topic and I don't want to mention names and I don't want to say, oh, he was a wanker, he was a dickhead, like, whatever. But <laughs> I, I've i pretty much always been single. So a little bit of backstory. Um, I Before I went to uni, I'd never even kissed anyone. So I had my first kiss in <gasps> Freshers Week. 
Oh my yeah. gosh, really? Yeah. That is no judgment, but I just, honestly, I cannot, like at a fresh, on a freshers night. Or yeah, and it was like some sort of paint party thing in O2 oh Academy. Gosh, so yes. I was, I was drunk off my face on wine. I was covered in fluorescent paint and I just got with someone. Cute. I mean, not so cute when you see the pictures of what I looked like that night. Um, but yeah, so I had zero experience with boys before going to uni. So I just got there and I was like, Oh my god, the male species exists, and I went a bit mad, <laughs> as we all do in past year. Um, and yeah, so kind of saw a few people at uni. Um, I was in a relationship for ten months, and that didn't work out. And I'm not going to go into detail about that because it's not my, it's someone else's story too, and I don't think it's right to talk about it. Um, and I mean, I can talk about it in very vague terms, but I don't want to go into the ins and outs. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, but yeah, so I saw like a fair few people while I was at uni I did some dating and in my third year I worked for the dating app Bumble so I still work for Bumble I'm a graduate ambassador for them now and I cannot sing their phrases highly enough um but working for a dating app was really interesting and I found that being in my third year so I worked for Bumble in the last three months of my relationship and then the rest of it I was single and working for Bumble was really interesting because it gave me an insight into how women can control their dating lives and how women can take the lead because in case you don't know bumble is a female focused dating app um it was founded by the woman who co-founded tinder um because she oh i didn't know that yeah so she co-founded tinder and then had a horrible experience with the other co-founder and so went off and founded bumble as a way of empowering women and putting women in the hot seat um and it's an incredible app and i'm not going to go on because this isn't a hashtag ad um but (laughs) yeah i just love bumble um and so working for a dating app meant that I was then using Bumble once I was single um, more actively. And I went on a few Bumble dates and I saw a few people and I met, I got went out with some friends of friends and things like that. So dating in my last few months of uni was kind of, it was just a bit of fun. And I was like, I work for a dating app. It's a funny line I can use in my like Bumble profile. I can be like, oh, I work for Bumble. So am I on here for market research or am I on here to actually find someone? Um, Was that actually your... Your profile. Um, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, my, my bio now is something, more, something else Bumble related, but I'm not going to give that away. Um, and, <laughs> I need to find you first. Yeah, exactly. This is what I Find me in London, though. <laughs> um, no, but like dating at uni was really different because you'd go on a night out. At Sheffield, we had Raw on Wednesdays, which was like the sports night. So you'd go to like the rugby corner yeah. and play a rugby lad and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So dating at uni was a lot of can't believe I'm talking about this. It was a lot of one night stands and failed dates and seeing people for a few weeks and then nothing coming of it and then bumping into them in the library a couple of weeks later. So dating at uni was interesting. Dating as a graduate, I kind of didn't know what to expect because I thought, well, I'll go to London and I'll meet some lovely guy who works in finance on a dating app or at a work drinks or something. And you'll have dinner and it'll the shop. Oh yeah, and there'll be happy yeah. ever after and there'll be yeah. loads of quality Instagram content and that'll be it. When I moved to London, I was seeing a couple of guys from dating apps. I was seeing a guy who I'd been chatting to for like six or seven months. And and then I was also seeing this other guy that had a little bit of a social platform. So I'm not going to go into what he did. Um, and it was fun <laughs> and I was enjoying it. And I wasn't committed to anyone. And I was just kind of having fun as a 21 year old. Well, I was 20 at the time. Um, but yeah, 20, 21 year old. And... But then I actually found that the more intense my work life got, the less time I 
wanted to spend on dating. So I'd do some swiping on an app when I was bored and then be like, oh my God, I haven't replied to so-and-so for four days and then I felt mm. really bad. Um, and so I found that just dating just took a bit of a backseat. Whereas at uni, it was just a bit of, it was again, it was a bit of fun. It's always just been a bit of fun for me. And, um, but at uni, I kind of took, I weirdly took it a little bit more seriously because that was the environment I was in and it was all about going out and pulling and having a fun time and talking to different guys. And it was just a kind of social thing that we all bonded over. Yeah. Whereas now, if I'm going to talk to my colleagues, I'm not going to necessarily talk to them about some guy that I had a one night stand with because mm-hmm. it doesn't look very professional. And so I've kind of, I mean, I've, I've seen some people since being in London and I've seen some people as a graduate, but I found that graduate life, especially in the early stages, doesn't really suit also having a dating life because you're spending all of your waking hours focusing on building your career or focusing on self-development that actually factoring in boys into that mm. or whoever you want to date like I'm I'm a heterosexual woman so I can talk about boys but whatever gender you want to date and I I just found that dating has become less of a priority and I used to use dating as a way of getting validation I because of my body image issues and all my mental health problems I relied on boys as a way of boosting my self-esteem a lot of people are afraid to say that so I'm really happy that you said that because it's so true and it's something that I used to be really ashamed of and I would never used to talk about it but actually it's true like I would go on Bumble in an evening and swipe for half an hour just so I could get matches so that I'd feel better about myself and that I wasn't ugly and worthless and I mean I still do that every now and again but I just have the time these days mm-hmm. and as a privileged position to be in because I am employed but what I'm trying to get at here is I'm saying that at uni you have the opportunity and the time to let dating and that sort of thing be a validator for how you feel and be and validate you for your existence as a graduate I found that my self-worth comes from the personal connections I make with people at work, the personal connections I make with people outside of work, but not on a, pl- on a purely platonic basis. Yeah, and you're independent. And I'm independent. Well. And I've spoken to you, I've had breakdowns recently about guys I've been seeing who have ghosted me or who have treated <laughs> me like shit. And I mean, I, I vent a lot about it because I'm a very emotional person. And as much as I don't get... I'm, I mean, I'm a lot better now I'm not getting attached to people, but I found that I graduate life has just meant that I don't have time to date anymore Mm. and I think that accepting that and being like because you feel like you should be dating you feel like you should go to your friends and have a story and be like oh well I went on this date the other night that's what it is it's having something interesting to say about your life you feel like it is an element and a focal point of your personality to have a dating life and what I've realized my my deep takeaway from my transition from dating at uni and dating as a graduate is that there is so much more to you than the people you are sleeping with or dating. Mm -hmm. You are not defined by your love life. If you're in a relationship, fab. If you're not in a relationship, also fab. If you're dating, if you're single, if you're doing whatever you want to do, it's completely up to you. And that's the big thing that being a graduate and dating has taught me is that I don't need to be doing it. And if Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it, I shouldn't feel the pressure to do it. So imagine, Sophie... You're 80 years old and you're you're looking back on your life. What do you want to see? So when I'm 80, I'm going to look back on my life and I think 
family is very important to me. Um, and you know this as well. So this isn't me saying to Matt, oh my God, let's, let's have a family. Because <laughs> I, I definitely do not want that yet. <laughs> but I want to look back on my life and just and have a, a family that's healthy and um, they enjoy life. And that, that's important to me. But that's aside from anything to do with graduation, really. Like I mentioned earlier, I really want to have a career, but also a lifestyle that plays in my value of inclusivity and diversity. So I want to travel. Travel is really important to me. And even though I haven't done any yet, I have plans to. Um, And I want to learn, I want to learn languages. I want to teach people. I want to do, I want to do lots of different things. So I think what it kind of funnels down into is I want to look back on my life and feel fulfilled. And also, I, I, was, I was speaking to a consultant as well, and she basically said that as an extrovert, you tend to want a legacy. And I struggle with the word legacy because I think it sounds quite egotistical. However... A legacy can also be a very like positive thing as well because it means that you've had an influence and an impact on other people's lives and that can be taken down. And I do, to be completely honest, I do want that. I want to kind of start something that can be continued, whether that's through my family or through anyone. Mm, in and that's this amazing planet. because a lot of women feel embarrassed about admitting ambition. Yeah. And they think yeah. that it makes them look narcissistic and stuff. And it's not like you want to have a legacy. You deserve a legacy. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I know I've come across a lot of people who, um, like you said, are ashamed to say that because they, they do think it sounds like, oh, well, what gives you the right to have a legacy? What makes you so special? I'm far from special. I'm far from perfect. I'm far from established. And when I'm 80, I'm probably going to look back on my life and think, oh, and, and currently and be like, oh, God, I'm still not perfect and I'm 80 years old. But if you make an impact on people's lives, that's what that's what's important to me. That's incredible. And I think that, yeah, it's about not wanting to achieve a perfect life, but wanting to achieve a happy and fulfilled life ultimately. Yeah. Because you could spend your entire life striving to have perfect body perfect life perfect family perfect financial situation you could have Mm. all those sort of things and you could still be miserable like i read a really interesting post on linkedin today about steve jobs i think i know the one you mean actually yeah yeah and he was and it was quotes basically um quite sad but quotes from his deathbed Mm. and he was saying that whether or not you have a 30 dollar watch or a three thousand dollar watch it still says the time and whether or not you're driving a $2,000 car or a $20,000 car. You're driving a car, you're on the same road. Yeah. And ultimately it's realising that looking back on your life, you want to be like, I've had a really good time and I've made fulfilling connections and I've helped people and I have a legacy of a positive family or whatever you want to put out there in the world. Mm. Not, look at all these possessions I've gained and look how many Instagram followers I have and look how many boys I've dated all these sorts of things like it all links and going back to the stress we were talking about earlier stress will only be exacerbated and made worse if you spend your entire life thinking about all the things you need to have accumulated Mm. and instead you what you should do and this will reduce stress hopefully is just think 
every day I want to be happy and every day I want to move towards being happier. There's a difference between ambition and materialism. And ambition can be driven by materialism. Like if you want those lovely things, then that's absolutely fine. As long as there's a purpose behind it and as long as you're doing something good. Everyone yeah. is different. And, exactly. And as long as you're living your life the way you want to live it, it's making you happy and not hurting anyone else. You yeah. just need to do it. You need to go for it. Exactly. And that's the thing about graduate life is that you will go through your your 20s people-pleasing mm. and you'll try and do everything. people-pleasing. I mean, we could dedicate an entire episode to people-pleasing. I think we probably should, actually. Yeah, I think we're planning to. And... You could spend your entire 20s being like, I'm doing this for everyone else and I need to get to a certain point and I need to accumulate this and that and whatever. But actually, if you take that pressure off and say, I'm doing my 20s for me, I'm doing my 20s for those around me, like the closest people around me and trying to make them happy, mm. then that's all you need. So thank you so much for listening to the episode. We really hope you feel like you know Sophie and I a little bit better now and that we've effectively covered stress, loneliness, reflection, boys, dating, <laughs> everything in between. Yeah, we did cover a lot again, but we would just like to say that this kind of season, we, we do cover a lot of stuff. Once we do enough kind of research with you guys to figure out what you want us to explicitly talk about and in more detail, then that's when we'll indulge into some proper deep topics to kind of start up the new year. Would you agree that's Yeah, at the moment we're kind of doing the broad stuff. We're talking about general themes mm. and things in our lives and our guest lives that all graduates seem to experience. But as we go deeper into the series, we'll be touching... That was Northern. We're touching more. We'll be touching more <laughs> on... Um, other things like stress but in more granular detail I'll be talking to experts in the field about what we can do to effectively deal with these things yeah. thank you for the last episode that's something that we really wanted to put in there wasn't yes. it we thank have, you so much oh my gosh literally we have reached 15 countries across the world it's insane how oh our voice gosh. in people's ears oh lucky you lucky you <laughs> <laughs> no but it's really appreciated and please just keep up to date with us on social media yeah follow us at grad life by the horns on mm. instagram that's where we post most of our stuff the messages we've received on the account and the people who have shared the podcast and their stories and stuff it's been like so overwhelming and yeah. so lovely like i personally never thought we'd reach this many people and as many people would relate and engage and think that it was good like it's so lovely and it's so warming and thank you so much yeah it's amazing and we have this is not going to be just us next week we promise a very exciting episode <laughs> yes. next week with the wonderful caroline donahue um journalist caroline, author you name it she's done it yeah she's incredible um you definitely need to read her books it's a great episode where we touch on Things not always going to plan in your 20s, going from living on a mattress on a floor to signing a six-figure book deal mm. in 10 years. It's incredible and we really hope you enjoy it. Bye.